What is up, sons and daughters? We are back. It is the crew from the locks of Saturday. I got Brett, Robert, and Chris with me. There is one crew member missing tonight. That is Ed. Um, well, he's a little bit busy this weekend, should he say. Uh, Ed is getting married this weekend. We wish him all the best. We can't wait for him to be back on the show. More importantly, though, we wish him a smooth and happy wedding day this weekend. Guys, it is finally time. For me, this feels like the beginning of the college football season. August 9th, we are recording this, our ACC Atlantic preview. Fellas, it has been a long, long offseason. How are we doing and how excited are we for college football this year? We're in that weird spot right now where it's just boring. So it's like we have like three weeks of hell and then we have week zero which is last year, week zero was Rutgers versus Illinois, which was awesome. So we'll see what we get this year. Forget about Miami plays week zero this year, but who do they play? I don't know they do. I can't remember. I think it's an FCS team. That could be wrong. They're all FCS games. The week zero slate is pretty bad. But just as like a rule across the board, how everyone's feeling about this, forget the beginning of the season last season. How long has it felt since we even announced – Fred Pry as the head coach of Virginia Tech. It feels like this offseason alone has been a year in and of itself. That's just me. It is kind of crazy to think that he hasn't even coached a game yet. And we've feels like we've been talking about this man for like 10 years. It feels like year three already. And it hasn't even been the kickoff of game one. That's how long it's been. That's either a really good thing or a really bad thing. Well, what's one thing I know about Virginia Tech football, it is we manage expectations really well. (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely. Um, never once has Virginia Tech failed to meet expectations, um, whether that be a good thing or a bad thing. But today we are talking about the ACC Atlantic Division. Next week, we will cover the ACC Coastal. The week after that is our national preview and our week zero preview, the aforementioned infamous week zero. And then, fellas, it's week one, and we have a full college football slate. So let's go ahead and get started. Let's refresh your memory. Here is the ACC Atlantic preseason media picks as chosen by the esteemed members of the ACC football writers crew, team, uh, union, maybe? Guild? Guild, Guild. Exactly. Guild or collective? A collective. Um, yeah, so obviously. Alliance? Um, Alliance. Oh, don't bring that up. We don't need to bring oh, it up. Too Bye. soon. That's too a soon. That's a buzzword. Um, Clemson, uh, first overall, 111 first place votes. NC State, pretty close behind them, I would say, compared to what it has been in other years. Second place with 44 first place votes. Third place, Wake Forest with six first place votes. And fourth is Louisville. Florida State in fifth with two first place votes, Boston College in sixth with one first place vote, and then Syracuse rounding out the end. Um, look, if you're betting Florida State or Boston College to win the ACC Atlantic, I don't want to spoil anybody's picks, but that is a pretty bold take right there. But we are going to start with a team in seventh place in the preseason poll because we are going north to south. Um, for the ACC Atlantic right now. And Syracuse, New York is the highest north. Syracuse is over under for the year is set at five wins even. The over is at minus 140 and the under is at plus 120. That scale will be a theme as we see with all of these guys. And of course, as always, all of these lines are via the DraftKings Sportsbook. Robert, 
you are up first, our first pick of the year. Congratulations on um, being the first name out of the random name generator that I used a couple days ago. Wow, I am so honored. Shout out be. to that algorithm. Um, yeah, so our line here, five for Syracuse. Um, this is a really spicy line. I kind of love um, these whole number lines because you know you can still get a push if things don't quite go the way you want them to and get your money back worst case um and for Syracuse here I actually really love the over and the reason why is last year you know Dino Babers kind of had his back against the wall a little bit everyone thought he was dead in the water um I we were literally laughing on the podcast last year I think about maybe not even thinking Syracuse would win two games um and what did they win five six last year um they beat Virginia Tech they beat Virginia Tech on the road and yeah, they have the best running back in the conference in Sean Tucker. Um, they've got Garrett Schrader, who doesn't throw the ball very well, but is a very electric athlete as a runner at quarterback. And I'm interested to see what happens with Robert and A in there as their new offensive coordinator. Um, if you recall, he was at UVA, had those Bronco Mendenhall offenses, and he's obviously famous for his ambitious play call to throw the ball to an offensive lineman. But aside from his, you know, kind of just crazy calls. He's actually a pretty good coordinator and he tends to get a lot of production out of running quarterbacks as we've seen with Bryce Perkins and Brendan Armstrong. So I'm really curious to see what happens there with Schrader. Um, I think that they go six and six at the very worst. I think they go five and seven. So I really don't see the under hitting go over. I'm actually going to disagree. I think the under for me here is actually pretty easy to pick. I don't really see any guaranteed wins for them on their schedule besides Connecticut, uh, Wagner and maybe Florida state, depending on where they fall. I mean, they have a pretty tough gauntlet where they go from NC state, Syracuse, Notre Dame, and Pittsburgh all back to back in the month of October and the first weekend of November. Uh, I have a tough time thinking that they're going to get squeak five out this year. I mean, I think they could maybe beat Virginia with a new coaching change. Uh, well, pretty much everybody in the Atlantic this year, I think is going to be better besides maybe Florida state. They might be the same. Uh, Boston College can be tough. Then they play – I mean, they round out season of Wake Forest and Boston College. So, I mean, I'm not really sure if they can get to five this year uh, just because they're scheduling. Purdue, out-of-conference game they play, super tough matchup for them. I mean, Brahms always got them ready to play. Uh, I mean, they the, it seems like Purdue honestly can't beat bad teams, but they beat, like, top five teams every year. But if they can beat top five teams, they can beat anybody. So – I still think that's not going to be a guaranteed win for them. So I have a tough time seeing them get to five enough for me to say to hit the over. So I'm going to go with the under, especially at plus odds. Yeah, this is another tough one. I, I like what you said, Irby, about the ability to push right here, especially with the team that probably looks like a five-win team with their ceiling being at six. Uh, I agree, though, with you, Brett. I, I think this team goes under. They played well last year, but they kind of like stumbled their way to to that record i mean they they beat an ohio team that was pretty bad last year then they beat a pretty bad rutgers team again then they played albany and um other than that they, they really didn't have many good wins i think virginia tech kind of needed to crumble at the end of that game for them to win it as well so you're looking at a team that capitalized on a poor schedule i think their schedule is a little bit tougher this year um I, I agree with you only two guaranteed wins on this schedule are uconn and wagner so yeah and I mean, having to play only, Notre Dame hurts too. I mean, they, they beat a Boston College team that just came off losing Dracovic and 
they did hang with Clemson, but Clemson couldn't get out of their own way last year. So, um, I mean, they played four state tough last year, but I think I have a hard, just because I think the Atlantic overall is going to be better. Uh, I think it's just going to be tough for them to squeeze any out. Yep. So I, I like the under in this one. Sean Tucker's really good. Garrett Schrader's okay. I do think an issue with Syracuse this year is you have an offensive coordinator that wants to throw the ball probably 75% of the time. And you have an offense that's built on running the football. Probably not great. Brennan Armstrong was able to run at UVA, but those were more of scrambles. He didn't really do many designed runs. So we'll see if Anet can like adjust his play calling, but I think it's going to be pretty tough in year one. Chris, round us out. Pretty simple here. Under, I got him at four wins. Uh, if you look at it too, the under is actually carrying a plus 120. So it also has the best value for something that's likely to happen. Uh, at this point in time, we know what Dino Babers is as a head coach and how he can structure a program. This is year seven for him. So pretty good sample size. Is it really uh, year seven? It is year seven. And so six of the seasons to Shut date up. have been either at five wins or under. And then this really makes the 2018-10 win season look like it should have ended all civilization at this point. So Dino Babers is a five-win max with the biggest value play being under because that's been the majority of the seasons have been under five wins. This is no different. The only thing of value out of this team other than the plus 120 under is just following running back Sean Tucker on social media when his deadpan kind of post-game analysis where he's talking about his stats. Is he serious? Is he not? I have no idea. But uh, I can't wait to hear the self-hyped train, which is a very, very small noise coming out of the social media uh, lexicon of Syracuse fans trying to lobby for him being a Heisman candidate. Extremely, extremely dark horse Heisman candidate, but that is not going to happen because they will not win more than four games. Yeah, this is Dino Baber's sixth year. Uh, this will be his seventh year at the helm yep. in Syracuse, New York. Uh, he's been head coach for eight years. The other two were at Bowling Green. He is 47 and 52 overall as head coach. And he still has a power five job. So credit to him because he must be doing something right. All right. Next team, we're going to go over Boston College, which Boston, I checked, is south of Syracuse, New York. Um, this, I think, is one of the tougher over-unders that we will pick in the ACC. It's at six and a half. We do have a little bit of insight here. Uh, thanks to our friends at the Locked On Boston College podcast for giving us a little bit of insight into the Eagles. This is what we got from them. And I quote, think I see BC going eight and four. Djurkovic and Flowers will be just as good as any other wide receiver quarterback combo in the conference. Defense should continue to grow. Biggest concern is the offensive line, but to be honest, they weren't all that great the past two seasons. And BC won six games in both. End quote. It's hard to disagree with some of those. Um, I would say losing NFL talent on the offensive line is going to be a big issue for a quarterback that has had injury issues. Let me just say there, they yada, 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 the offensive line statement. They have zero returning starters on the offensive line, one of which was injured with an ACL before the season that was kind of compact. So talk about talk about a little bit of just was it whistling past the graveyard on that one. But let's let's continue. I just want to point that out. Yeah. And I just want to point out um, for the good people at home, it was a projected starter, Christian, uh, Christian Mahogany, I believe was his name. Excellent Boston College offensive lineman name. I don't know if it is mahogany, but it's something like that. Uh, yo, Are you yeah, consulting Phil Steele? Christian Mahogany um, was supposed to play guard. He's pretty talented. Um, he'll be out for the year as well. So definitely some issues at the offensive line Boston College. Anyways, uh, Robert, you're up first. Yeah, I mean, those offensive line issues are real, but I 
but Jeff Halfley also has a very strong background as an offensive line coach. Um, so, you know, maybe the guys behind are a little bit better. I definitely don't see them going eight and four. I think that's a little optimistic, but the point about Dracovic and flowers is really, really good. Um, Dracovic wasn't great last year when he came back, but the coaching staff has even said that they definitely rushed him back before he was healthy from a pretty significant injury. Um, and honestly, he probably should have just sat out the rest of last year. So I see him getting back to that 2020 form. Same for flowers. Um, I like their defense. Don't love it. Really don't like their running game at all. Um, they really don't have much at running back. And then, you know, the line will at the very least have growing pains. I think I see them going seven and five though. So I am going to say over, but with not much gusto. Uh <laughs> I kind of look at when I look at these AC totals last year, um, I kind of did it. It worked out for me. I look at games that I know teams should win. Granted, it's the ACC. We don't know what's going to happen a lot, but a lot of times you can still get a pretty good gauge of where you're at with an AC team or any team based on what games they should win. Boston College's schedule, honestly, outside of Virginia Tech, is one of the easier ones in the conference this year. I mean, out of conference, they play Rutgers. I mean, everybody says Rutgers is improved, but. I don't buy it. They just seem like they'll be in the pit of misery forever. They play Maine out of conference. They play Connecticut out of conference. Then their other division games outside of division are – they have Duke from the other side, and they have um, – I think that's – and Virginia Tech from the other side. Uh, Virginia Tech, I mean, for honestly, Brent Price first game, 50-50 shot. We really don't know what's going to happen. So I'm not going to chalk that one as a loss for them, honestly, just going to be completely honest. So when you count Rutgers, they should beat Maine, Connecticut, Duke, and they play Syracuse at the end. That's five wins already, I think, games that they should win. So they have to squeak out two more wins between Louisville, Clemson, Wake Forest, uh, Notre Dame, NC State, I believe. Yeah, and Virginia Tech you put in there. And I think they can squeak two out from uh, two of those games. I think uh, – I think Dracovic, I, I'm a believer in him and Zay Flowers, like it's already been mentioned before me. And I think they can get two out of there with, I think Louisville they can beat. And I think, uh, especially if they beat Virginia Tech, I think they should have no problem getting to uh, seven wins. Oh, Florida State. I think they'll beat Florida State also. So I think Irby's ass uh, assessment of seven and five is probably pretty fair. Not super confident, but I think they have more winnable games to put them in position to get over six wins, uh, six and a half wins, and a lot of other teams that are set at that. You know, I, this is, I mean, for me, this was the toughest one. I, I understand what people are saying with Jerkovic and Zay Flowers. I think that's a great combo. My issue is this is not a team. This is not a classic Boston college team. They really struggled to run the ball last year. Uh, they were just over 165 yards per game. Offense really sputtered out in some games. And I look at this team and they lost their entire offensive line. They return a lot on defense. I think their defense will actually be probably, like in the top three or top four of the ACC. Like they might be really good defensively, but I'm a little bit worried that they, they, they didn't beat anybody good last year. They beat Colgate, UMass, Temple. They beat a bad Mizzou team in overtime. They beat a tech team on basically an interception that was turned into a fumble and then another interception that was tipped. Um, and then they beat George Tech. They lost, they, they lost to every good team they played last year. And that is kind of a bad sign for me. I know Jerkovic was hurt, but I, I just see this as a six and six team. Um, I'm a little bit higher in some of the other ACC Atlantic teams, 
So I don't think some of those toss-up games are as much toss-up games. I'm going to go under. I think they're a six and six football team. Sam, I agree. Under six wins. Uh, every single away game that they have will be against a team with a better defensive line to maximize their biggest deficiency, which is offensive line. And that's what we know what Boston College always has been. Like Kirkovic is nice. He's okay, but he's not necessarily the difference between an above average kind of elite performing type team, which I would expect a team that can win eight wins um, uh, has. Uh, and he's proven that out based off of his record, not just from 21 when he was injured, but even in the 20 uh, campaign where he looked the best, it was still like wins against, you know, um, I think the best win there was Pitt in 2020. Pitt was actually very, not very good. And then the other one was Louisville. We all know how bad that Louisville 2020 teams, including yours truly, who had a pretty disastrous overpick on Louisville that year. And I still regret that and it haunts me to this day. But they're going to be at BT, at Florida State, at Wake Forest, at NC State, at Notre Dame, plus games against Clemson and Louisville as well. And I just don't see how you can, based off of the easier non-conference and other sub-conference, uh, other associated conference slate, those five away games plus the two games associated with Clemson and Louisville, that's just too much to bank on the fact that they should have seven wins in there. Um, I'm going against it. I'm fading it. I like the, uh, what is it, plus uh, 115. You'll notice a trend here. I like the value on the unders rather than trying to lay the, uh, was it 135 on the over? Um, I just don't see seven wins. Definitely a tough team to pick. I think if you look around nationally, that'll be one that's pretty split. Their margin for consistent victories, their margin for consistent victories is going to be very narrow because they're going to have to win super ugly and then just bank on the fact that their defense can hold other offenses. I don't know how consistent that's going to be. So I'm fading it. Any last words on Boston College? Going to be a very, very interesting game. A brand new Boston College offensive line against a Brent Pry defense that is very, very aggressive, especially on third down will be interesting. All right, let's move to Louisville. Another team that is at six and a half. The over is at minus 125. The under is at plus 105. Malik Cunningham is still the quarterback at Louisville. Uh, it feels like he's been there for ages, but I mean, they need some help. We've talked about Scott Satterfield. We talked about this in our summer uh, preview, but this really does feel like a make or break year for Scott Satterfield. Irby, get us kicked off with the Cardinals. I didn't even have to look at the schedule for this one. I didn't have to look at any stats or anything. This is clearly going under. This is my lock. Louisville is not winning seven games. Are you kidding me? They're not even going to make a bowl. Malik Cunningham is a great quarterback, but he has no help. And Satterfield just is not a fit in that program. That program is just it's spiraling. Um, I know they're doing well in the recruiting trail right now, but the on-field product continues to get worse and continues to uh underperform underachieve underperform underachieve under that's the buzzword yeah i'm with Irby here i mean i don't like again going back on my theory of winnable games like games they should win uh south florida maybe um they're actually improving they were like one of the winners of the transfer portal this year which is pretty crazy uh, so, I mean, who knows what kind of team they're going to put on the field. But, um, I mean, I don't really see many guarantees. They played James Madison. I mean, I mean, growing pains for James Madison this year, obviously. So, they should win that game. I mean, they play Kentucky. I mean, that's just – I mean, Kentucky is just going to, I think, destroy them. I mean, Malik Cunningham's still there. And we said Malik Cunningham is still, like, 
average. I mean, he's not like a yeah, great athlete. He also gets hurt a lot. So, I mean, if he has no help, I I could easily see him not playing all 12 games this year. Uh, Syracuse, I mean, that's one of the games I think Syracuse could probably win if if they were to hit the over. Um, that's one they would need to win, and I think they could. Uh, I don't really see many teams that they – I'm confident that they can beat. I mean, Forest State, obviously rough. Even Virginia, I'm not confident they can beat Virginia this year. So it's like, you know, it's it's tough. So I'm going under here. I think I'm with Irby. This is probably for my the Atlantic Division. This is my lock pick for the under. Well, lock pick in general, but don't go in the under. I'm not confident enough to lock this, but I do think under. Um, the one thing that it's telling me over is Louisville was 0-4 in one-score games last year. You would expect that to kind of turn around. But again, this team just doesn't have a lot of high-quality players. Like, they're a very average team. And if I look at their schedule, they have to go to Central Florida, and they start in the Carrier Dome. That's brutal. Then they have to go to Central Florida. Then they play Florida State. Then they have um, back-to-back on the road against Boston College and Virginia. Then they play Pitt. Then they play Wake. And then sandwiched in between the Wake Forest and Clemson game is James Madison. That is not a good thing for Louisville. Um, if we want to get real prediction, that might be the game Scott Satterfield loses his job after. Um, I, I see that happening now. I'm seeing it very clearly. Lose yeah, big to Wake Forest. You turn around. Hey, we got, we got Clemson coming up next. We got Clemson. We got Clemson. Boom, JMU, a team that's used to winning, they expect to win, goes in there and wins. Um, maybe, maybe we'll see. Um, and then they like end. Louisville wins that game, Sam, they might get fired. Like if they go back to back, Boston College, UVA, Pitt, and Wake Forest lose all four of those games, and then they beat JMU by like a touchdown. Uh, they fuck, end the season at Clemson, NC State, at Kentucky. They have one of the tougher schedules. Yeah. And lose those they, three games by a combined 60 points, probably yeah, 70. They're, they're basically the Georgia Tech of the Atlantic this year, in my opinion. Yeah, so in I'm schedule. I'm going under. I mean, this this is a team that could find a way to get seven wins. Like Malik Cunningham could go off and beat, you know, Florida State, Boston College, UVA. Like that could happen, but I'm I feel like under is pretty safe here. I I hesitate now to say I agree because all of you are on the under, but I am also on the under here. And just real quick for everybody at home, that is group of five official members, Sunbelt official member, James Madison University. That's no longer a FCS opponent. Put some respect on on their name. Put some respect. That is no longer. So our our loss to them 10 years ago, over 10 years ago, looks a lot better, right, guys? Right? No. Right? No. Okay. No. Um, I, I'm I'm still mad. I'm jilted. I'm a jilted. Uh, uh, let's just say the Chris Himes on Satterfield Island as of 2020. I was swimming for my life like Tom Hanks and passed away away from that island probably by about week three in 2020 based off of what I was looking at. Uh, I, I can't get over that still. Um, and I agree. Satterfield's just he, he's on a sinking ship. And right now, basically, the recruiting class to date is lipstick on a pig. I don't expect any of those California recruits they have to stick with that program through the course of the season. They're all going to jump ship towards the end. It's just inevitable at this point. I would be surprised if they did. And they're just, I mean, everybody keeps on telling me about Malik Cunningham, Malik Cunningham. But it's like, to this point, 
I feel like he's been around there for a very long time. Like this seems like it's like year seven of him being a starter for Louisville. And I still can't think off, off the top of my head, one memorable, really Malik Cunningham type game. I think it was one of those like one game, maybe once against like a weak uh, defense, like Wake team or something where they were just going off with together. But well, there was that one game where there's that one game where he got hurt like four plays in a row and he came off and he came back on. Yeah, I mean, if that is his off. biggest memory going into <laughs> yeah. it. This isn't like it's Lamar Jackson led Louisville. So there's just nothing to remember about them, and I just don't feel like Satterfield is long for the season. It's going to add poorly. I'm going under on the six wins. I'm not going to lock it because it's only plus 105, so the value is really not there. This is the weakest under value bet, uh, but I'm going to go ahead and go under at six wins. All right. Here comes up probably our first nationally relevant team so far in the ACC Atlantic. The Wake Forest Demon Deacons, their over-under is set at eight and a half, the over being at minus 135, the under being at plus 115. Wake Forest is coming off of a historic 11-win season last year. They return a whole lot of pieces, including star quarterback Sam Hartman. Robert, are you a believer in the Demon Deacons yet again? Believer in the sense that they'll win nine games, absolutely. I I don't think that they'll be the, you know, top ten team at one point that they were last year. But I mean, like you said, this offense that was really really strong last year um, brought almost everybody back. Sam Hartman, I mean, it feels like he's like twenty eight years old at this point. He's like Brandon Whedon out there. Um, yeah, no, I definitely think that the schedule is favorable enough for them. Um, Looking at it here, I mean, definite losses for them. They do play Clemson. They get them at home, but I still just don't see that working out well for them. Also, I'd like to point out that that game is where Black Saturday. So not a not like a blackout or like a maroon effect or something cool. It's just like, hey, where Black on Saturday? Okay. Like that's it. That's how they market. That's terrible. Uh, they're definitely losing that game, but... I mean, their non-conference schedule is VMI, Vanderbilt, Liberty, and Army. Like, those are winnable games. Um, yeah, I see them probably finishing second or third in the division and winning nine games. I'm on the same as Irby here. Uh, I think nine games is pretty fair for them. I mean, favorable schedule. I mean, pretty much nailed it on the head. I mean, VM, I mean, when I look at should like wins, VMI, Vanderbilt, Liberty, uh, Army, Louisville, uh, Syracuse Duke. I mean, that's a lot of, that's a lot of wins Florida state. And then they got to squeak out one win between Boston college, NC state and Wake uh, Clemson. And I think they get there. So I think it's safe. I think, you know, I'm not locking it in, but I think it's safe to say they can get to nine this year. Guys, I am right there with you. This is a nine win team. I have them at nine and three. I do have some spicy, spicy takes about Wake Forest this year. Look, I think this team might be really, really good and still just go 9-3. and three. Um, I do have a little bit of issue with their defense. They do return a lot of guys. That should be better. The biggest returner, though, wide receiver Donovan Green. He was really, really good as a freshman. He got hurt, missed the entire, um, missed the entire 2021 season. He is back. I think that is going to be a huge lift for them. Sam Hartman has his best three wide receivers left. He has four of his five starting offensive linemen. The defense is returning a lot of guys. 
this their schedule is a joke every single year. I swear they they have more cupcakes in the Great British Bake Off on their schedule. I mean VMI, Vanderbilt, Liberty, Army, Syracuse, Duke, like right there is already six easy wins. Um, I, I think this Wake Forest team could be really special. I think Sam Hartman is in line for not only ACC Player of the Year but maybe some national recognition as well. Um, I think he could put up stupid, stupid video game numbers this year. Chris, Sam Hartman and Wake Forest, are you a believer as well? I am not. So for me right here, eight wins sounds about right. Um, And I know it's kind of like under, 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 under. So who can actually go over in this division? Uh, But I know not all these are going to hit. And with Wake Forest, I just, one word just keeps on coming up into my mind. And it just continues to just, as I look through everything that does seem to be what everyone else has talked about, consensus, kind of nine wins. Uh, for me, it's just one word, and it's regression. Um, when I look across the board for Dave Clawson type teams, and you look at all the sample size, kind of like we've all been surprised about how Dino Babers has been around for a while, what Dave Clawson has as well at Wake Forest. And for just throughout the years, it's always been seven, eight wins. Dave Clawson. Um, and I just, with some of the turnover they've had and some of their weapons on offense, they're maybe good, but not great, but they had to get in the new, I believe it's a defensive coordinator. I feel like they're going to have some growing pains there as well. And just everything kind of combined. I just feel like they don't have still the defensive players to be able to hold opposing offenses in the ACC that can then not keep them from doing what they did last year, which is just shoot out after shoot out after shoot out with some of the offenses in the ACC, which are going to be better this year. The one thing that has been a kind of national narrative across the board is just the ACC has better quarterback play or expected quarterback play across the board. Um, and I expect that to be no different this year. So um, another thing too, is they do face some tougher defenses here, believe it or not, uh, Clemson, Army, BC, NC State. Uh, even Liberty all have at least solid expected units on defense this year. So just that merger of facing better offenses, being limited defensively, a lot of shootouts, which means to us variance. I'm always going to bet on underperformance when you have a lot of variance, um, especially when you're talking about regression and the fact that Wake Forest outperformed a lot of expectations. I know some of the locks cast was on them pretty from the jump last year, but I just don't see that repeating itself because nothing has really changed other than they've actually lost a few pieces. So all that combined, um, eight wins, that's a good season for Wake, um, and they should be happy about that. And uh, no, I'm just I'm going on the under, and plus it's at plus 115. I'm always going to bet the value. Moving on to their in-state rival down here in Raleigh, NC State, maybe the most hyped-up ACC team outside of Clemson that we've seen in quite a while. NC State, they're over-under, a little bit low. I felt like this would have been higher. It's at eight and a half, although you were getting the over at minus 150 and the under at plus 130. We reached out to our good friend Evan at the Red and White Pod covering NC State Athletics. Here's what he said about the pack. He said, I feel pretty confident in saying that the over hits pretty easily, not as easy as the 6.5 Vegas had for us last year, but everything is lining up for NC State to have a big year. Uh, For context, big year for NC State is 9 or 10 wins, but leaning 10. NC State hasn't had a 10-win season. I I don't know if they ever have. Uh, The schedule sets up pretty nicely uh, to where I can see NC State losing four games without things having gone disastrously wrong. Will they lose? Probably. 
but you can't look at the schedule and find any guaranteed else. Even Clemson and Death Valley, while it's not likely a W, isn't for sure a loss. If they don't hit the over, here are the four things that might happen. They fall flat at Clemson, hangover game at Florida State, Louisville is hot and Satterfield somehow saves his job, or NC State flops at UNC. How likely you think any of those four scenarios are will determine if you think you should take the under. I'm pretty confident that all those scenarios don't happen and you don't really see any other L's on their schedule. But hey, we're talking NC State here. Anything can happen and we all know it. Go Pack. I I think that sums it up pretty well. Irby, your thoughts on the Pack? Hearing you read that, uh, the only thought I had for our friend Evan here from the Red and White podcast was, Oh, buddy. He seems way too excited just to get let down. I, I I had to crack my knuckles to do this one. I am so excited to say that NC State is going under this year. I do think that their schedule is a little tougher than uh, maybe he let on here. To start the season at East Carolina, that's not an easy game. East Carolina went 7-5 and five last year. That's a tough place to play. Virginia Tech fans know that well. That's a tough way to start your season. They play Texas Tech. That's another tough non-conference opponent. To play Clemson on the road, they have not won in Death Valley since 2002. Like, I was five. That's not, that's not happening. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there's plenty of losable games here to have to go to the Carrier Dome. Um, Virginia Tech is a tougher opponent. Um, we'll, maybe, we'll see. I mean, Wake Forest, Boston College, they could lose any of those games. At UNC, that's always a toss-up every year. I think it's very plausible that NC State loses four games, and I think they do. I think they go eight and four, and I think the value play is on the under. Uh, I just, this is actually – this was the toughest one for me in general because I agree with Irby. I think their schedule is a little harder than people were thinking about just because Texas Tech's vastly improved over the last couple of years. Uh, East Carolina feels like uh, – Houston's finally got them in the right place where we thought he would get them. Like it took them a while and I didn't think he would make it through, but it seems like he's got them to the point point tough football again and being a little tougher. Uh, however, I still think they can get to nine. Uh, it's going to be tough. I'm not very confident in this, but I think, I, I think I'm going to go to the over here. I think they can get there just because if they come out beating East Carolina, Charleston, Southern Texas tech and Connecticut, if they come out four and oh and playing at Clemson. Um, I think I don't think they'll beat Clemson, but I think if they show them, you know, a tough game or if they play it close, I think the momentum will still be there for them to really keep on tearing through their schedule. I mean, Florida State, Syracuse, I mean, Virginia Tech, tough game, but that's at home on Thursday night. Uh, Virginia Tech hasn't played it at NC State and uh, been, I don't, I think we were supposed to play 12 years. Is that, yeah, because I think yeah, we, were supposed was... to play, we were supposed to play there during the pandemic and in 2020 and we didn't so so then we played them at, i think it was like the first game at home you could call it then but uh so i think they can get to nine uh not saying it's going to be easy but i think the key is if they come out four and against clemson uh, i think that's their way they get to nine wins yeah i'm right there with you i think this is another nine and three team in the acc atlantic i love everything they're bringing back my issue is this is a team that lost their two best running backs and they aren't 
they couldn't run the ball last year. And I think they might be putting a little bit too much on Devin Leary in some of these big games. He's a good quarterback, but he's not Aaron Rodgers out there. Like you got to give him some help. I, I just don't think he'll have it unless they can figure out how to run block and how to run the football against good defenses. I think it's going to be kind of a, a tough season for Devin Leary. I think he's going to do well, but it's going to be tough, tough sledding. Um, I, they Their schedule does set up nicely. ECU will be a tough game, but I think they'll take care of that. And then they have Charleston Southern, Texas Tech, Connecticut, all at home before Clemson. So I think they'll be 4-0 heading into that Clemson game. Um, and we talked with uh, Billy Ray and I talked to David Teal. One game they brought up that could kind of define the season for NC State is that Thursday night game against Virginia Tech. Um, they have 12 days off, but then right after that, they play Wake Forest. And then right after that, they play Boston College. All three of those are at home, but those are three tough games. They're not easy wins. So I think it'll be tough for them to come out 3-0 and there. But I, I like this NC State team. I don't love them, but I do like them at over eight and a half. All right. So I am in lockstep with Irby on this one and under it, they have plus 130 on the under here. So eight and a half, this is my super value extra mega lock. I don't know if you can come up with an, like a graphic or a sound for that Sam, but we got to find one. This is NC state with expectations folks. Now let's be real here. Dave Doran to his credit has built a consistent program but it's consistent to the point where they do the same thing that they usually do which is where they they kind of beat some of the lesser teams that they should be but then they get into the spotlight and they never really do that one big win and then they have a few dumbfounding losses across the way and then it just it it, it falls flat of what that kind of expected performance but to my I guess, knowledge when I just went to had to go back and look previously in seasons, leading that I haven't heard NC state being this high. They're probably the most talked about ACC team before even Clemson and Miami this year. It's insane. And I'm looking at it and I think, okay, well, let's look at what happened last season, nine wins across the board. Devin Leary put up a 65.7 uh, completion percentage, 3,400 plus yards, 35 touchdowns, five interceptions and 157 uh, rating. Do we believe that Devin Leary is going to do better than that? Sam, you put it in so many words. He, that, that's who Devin Leary is like his optimal performance out there. I don't think he has another level to take it to, to be quite honest. Yeah, what um, you saw so last I, year is what you're getting from him. At, I mean, especially, at, especially because he lost, not only did he lose running backs, he lost his left tackle, top 10 draft pick left tackle, and his best receiver in Amika Amezi. Yep. All valid points. And so all of this to me combines just means we believe that there is nowhere to go, but possibly down or at best even last year. And even then that puts them right at the margin of maybe a half game better than the over here at eight and a half wins. And so I, I just have to think that they're going to find a way. Was it uh, Ian Malcolm in Jurassic Park? Life finds a way. NC State finds a way to disappoint you and they will somehow find the under and some of those quote unquote unanticipated expected wins will turn into very unanticipated horrendous losses. And that's just the NC state way. And I cannot wait for it. Well, let's go to a team that has lived up to expectations over the past five, six, seven years. And that is Clemson. They're over under sitting at 10 and a half with the over at minus minus one thirty and the under at plus plus one ten. Robert, we'll just jump into it. We all know Clemson. We all know Dabo. 
underperformed last year, but hey, they went 10 and two. Yeah, I think the popular thing to do right now is to assume that Clemson is falling off and that this is last year was the start of their downfall. Um, but I, I don't see that. I think 10 and a half is a little bit too favorable of a line here. I think they're going over. I think they win 11, maybe even 12 games, depending on how that Notre Dame game goes. Um, I mean, looking at their defense, this could be the most talented defense Clemson's ever had. And I don't say that lightly. Um, that front seven is terrifying. And then on the back end, I think you're seeing a transition for Clemson where they're going away from, you know, in the past, they've had these kind of unheralded recruits that, you know, develop well and become leaders, you know, your Skalskis, your Nolan Turners, your Venables child offsprings, like those guys aren't starting anymore. Now Clemson's entire projected starting 11 is all either four or five star high school recruits. So now this is a talented defense where before you know, they had a really good defense, but then it's like Nolan Turner's out there and you had to face like Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson just get shredded. Um, those days are gone. This defense is nasty. I think they'll figure out the quarterback situation, whether it's Klubnik or it's probably not DJ. I think they, they put in Klubnik and I think he does well. Will Shipley's great. Kobe Pace, Phil Moffa, those are great running backs. Yeah, this is Clemson. They're just more athletic than every team in the division. Yeah, I'm with Irby here. I think I used to be like hammer Clemson unders when it was 11 and a half because they're always were good for one loss somewhere, it feels like. But I think 10 and a half is favorable. I think 11 wins uh, is not a guarantee, but I think it's pretty dang likely. I mean, they play Clemson. I mean, they, Clemson, they play Wake Forest, NC State back to back, but again, they get NC State at home. So, and I think Clemson's defense in that Wake Forest game is just Wake Forest is not going to know what hit them because that's by far the best team and defense they'll play all year. And while Clawson preaches toughness and he has tough and disciplined teams, I don't think they're going to have the that tough and disciplined team to be able to knock off Clemson that uh, that day. So, I mean, you can make the case. I mean, who the heck knows what South Carolina is going to put on the field this year? Uh, you with all the transfers they got, especially with Spencer Rattler. I mean, you don't know really what you're going to get with them, but I think still the safe pick here is the over at 11 wins, even if they were to lose to Notre Dame. But I still think Notre Dame, while they will be good this year, I still think give them two more years and that'll be a game where like, yeah, Notre Dame can beat Clemson on a regular basis, fight and vice versa. I'm on the over 11 and one. I think they're a team that can probably make the playoff. Um, it'll be close with one loss, but I think they will be in that conversation. Uh, the one thing that against Clemson, it, it wasn't only last year that they didn't live up to expectations as much. They've been under 500 against the spread in each of the last two years. So it hasn't been, you know, they haven't been overperforming some of those computer models that we'd like to expect. Well, I don't think it really matters who plays quarterback for them. This defense is going to be top three, four in the nation. They're going to be really filthy. Will Shipley might, might be in the running for ACC offensive player of the year. Like, Heisman. I mean, I'd go as far as Heisman, honestly. I Especially mean, if they he, can't throw the ball this year. They're, he's so. going to touch the ball every third play, probably, at least. I mean, he's going to be a major, major part of this offense. I think he's going to have a phenomenal year. He um, could lead the team in receiving. He really could. Like he could Rushing be, and receiving, yeah. Yeah, I, I like Ngata, but um, I mean, this is also a team that's returning four of their starting five offensive linemen. That's That's a big deal. That's a really big deal. So... I like this Clemson team. 
I think they're going to kind of reclaim their throne on the ACC this season a bit, um, but it'll be really tough. I think there's going to be a lot of close games that they just kind of eke out. I do wonder, and I, I don't mean this tongue in cheek. I seriously do. Will this Clemson defense be as good without Brent Venable stealing signs every play? <laughs> that is a serious concern because we all know they did it. We could all see it happening. Um, will they lose a bit of that strategic edge? Um, I think that'll be something interesting, especially um, in the games against Wake Forest and NC State earlier in the season. Chris, your thoughts on the Tigers? Yeah, this one was a tough one for me, mostly just because of all of the unknowns and turnover, not just on the defensive staff, but the offensive staff. Obviously, Tony Elliott is in uh, Lane North now up there at uh, Whoville. Um, but from all accounts, you know, he, he was, you know, solid recruiter, I guess, uh, okay offensive coordinator, I guess, was probably the highest kind of praise he's gotten. So in terms of an in-game play caller, probably didn't really know kind of how to handle the fact that DJ had adversity and didn't really kind of come up with the right blend of plays to get him going. Plus just off the bat, if I had to face that Georgia defense in week one, and I'm a newly minted starter to take the helm of a, just a Ferrari and Clemson's kind of talent level. And it just it looked like it broke them for the entire season. Um, and to be honest, I feel like they were just caught in this like muddling through process until they could get some of the elements of their offense back. And then the latter half of the season, they actually looked pretty decent, especially that was a big part of having Shipley back there and healthy and, and actually starting games for them. So the difference of having Elliott leave, have that kind of gear two aspect of you've already been through the most amount of adversity he's probably going to have. And Streeter does seem like a more natural kind of play caller to kind of get in a rhythm with those weapons. I do feel like the offense is going to be better. Plus all of their hard games. I mean, we just talked about NC State. They have Notre Dame, new coaching kind of group. Uh, they have Miami, new coaching group. South Carolina, they're in year two with a lot of turnover from transfer portal type players. And then I guess, quote unquote, Louisville is their next kind of hardish game after that. So I just feel like the end of the day with Clemson, it's going to be they have the best defensive line, one of the best in the country. And that in the ACC plays very well. This has probably been one of the better defensive lines they had since I can't remember what run they had when they had basically a murderer's row of talent with Clellan and everybody up front. Um, this is another recreation of that. And we saw what that did um, with high level offensive talent behind that. So I hate to say it because uh, I do love to watch a nice Clemson collapse and loss every once in a while, but I just, I'm not going confidently with the over, but I do feel like 11 wins is the correct play because normally, like you said, their, their line is always at 11 and a half. So this is the first time it's been at like 10 and a half where you can get at least some semblance of value there. And it's not minus 175 or almost minus 200 to bet the over on them too. So uh, going with a very uncertain over at 11 wins, but I wouldn't be surprised if they lost two games and win at 10 wins. And really, if you think about it, the difference in week one from going from Georgia to week one this year in Georgia Tech, talk about a night and day like confidence building. Georgia Tech on a neutral field too. Nothing like he's like Georgia and they waited and they said tech. And you probably saw a huge smile come across DJ's face. Like, yes, I can actually get going here. Um, so I do feel like he'll be much better coming out of the gate and going forward. Our last one that we'll finish up with is another team, a team that I think was in a similar spot that Virginia tech was in a couple years ago um, with a Memphis coach that is struggling a bit to get the ball rolling. That is Florida state. Their over under is set at six and a half, the over at minus 135, the under at plus 115. We did get 
another bit of insight. This one from the Knowles Anonymous podcast. I'll read this real quick. He says, I think six is right on the money. If you bet on FSU, you're betting on the health of Jordan Travis. Last year, they were four and two with him as a starter, losing in overtime to Notre Dame and by three to UF. He also missed a quarter of that UF game. That wasn't all injury. He also had an illness one week, and there was some back and forth with him and Milton earlier in the year. But bottom line, FSU brings back 74% of the offensive and 90% of the defensive production from a team that was a collective nine points away from winning eight games last year. If Travis plays all 12 games, then it's an eight-win team. However, that total decreases by one for every game that he misses. I think that's a great, like, that's a great summary of this team. They're really close. They're going to be competitive. We know they're very talented, but they struggle to put it together. Irby, your thoughts on the Knowles in a pivotal year for Mike Norvell. Yeah, pivotal is a uh, pivotal is an understatement. Um, but I do think this six and a half line, I think that's just a hair too high. If it was five and a half or six, I'd consider the over, but I'm definitely going under here. I don't love their schedule. Um, I think especially if you look at November, here's their schedule in November at Miami, at Syracuse, where they haven't won since 2016, Louisiana, I'm not talking Louisiana Monroe, Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns, and Florida. They win one of those games, maybe. I mean, I don't know. I, I think this is just tough. I, I don't love the structure that Norvell has in place. I think they go under six and six at best, probably closer to five and seven. This this is also a tough one for me. Six and a half. I mean, I feel like they can win some games. I mean, they they've done some crazy wins, like just in the last couple of years. I mean, like that that UNC one out of nowhere. Like you see them, you're like, oh, they're capable. You know, they could do. You know, they can do it. But they also pass placing teams with some uncertainty. Uh, honestly, like LSU, who we don't really know what they're going to look like this year. Florida, talk about bad vibes around a new coach. Florida, I mean, they they would fire. Uh, Billy Napier right now, if they could, it sounds like. And then I, then you go to Billy Napier's old team with the Raging Cajuns. You know, if you gave me Billy Napier's Raging Cajuns last year, you know, I would have been like, yeah, definitely can beat Fort State at home. But without him this year, I don't know. So there's a lot of uncertainty here with even their out-of-conference games and their tough games. I mean, really tough stretch for them. I mean, going to uh, Wake Forest, NC State, Clemson, back-to-back. Uh, they, play, they play Clemson and Wake Forest at home but they play NC State away. But those three games back-to-back-to-back are going to be really, excuse me, tough for them. Uh, Miami, who knows what they're going to look like. I, You know, it's there's a lot of hype around them, as there is every year. But, I mean, Cristobal seems to have them in a good direction. And Van Dyke, I mean, I think he might be actually the best quarterback in the ACC this year uh, that people are talking about but aren't really realizing how good he actually could be. Uh, but, anyway, we can talk about that in the Coastal Pod. Um, I actually like the over here just because of all the uncertainty. Not confident here. I think they can actually get to seven, especially if Travis is healthy. Um, they have the athletes. We know that. They think they can get there. Pick probably going to come back and bite me. But again, I'm super. I'm not going to tell you to go to the bank with it. I think the teams that they are playing at a conference just you don't know what you're going to get. I'm not confident in saying their losses in any of them. I'm not even confident in Florida that they can't beat Florida this year. So. Uh, I'm going seven wins at max, and I'm going to go with that, Just and I'm going to go with the over. 
This is one that I agree with you, Brett. I'm probably going to look back and hate myself, but I'm going over. Uh, I think this is a seven-win team. I think Jordan Travis has a little bit of something. When he's healthy, he can really play. Uh, I think if they buy into him and they really start focusing on the fundamentals, this could be a really good football team. Uh, but I have them at seven wins. Um, interesting game will be versus New or- um, excuse me, versus LSU in New Orleans. That is not the LSU of 2019. I mean, LSU has not been a very good, I mean, they've been a very mediocre to good team the last two years. I would not be surprised if that game's a little bit closer than what we think. Um, you know, I also think having Florida at home helps having Wake Forest at home helps Boston College at home. And then uh, they also are playing Clemson at home. Interesting, interesting game. Uh, we'll leave that one there. I like over on this one. I think it's, uh, at minus 135, I don't love that value on this one. So this would be maybe one that I leave out of your ticket, but I think Florida State's probably a seven and five football team this year. Chris? If you could push at going exactly at six and a half wins, I, I think Florida State would figure out a way to win six and a half football games. But uh, nevertheless, I, I'm going to hold my nose and roll with you, Sam, on the over on this one, just because I believe in natural progression of the program. This is year three, I believe, of the Mike Norville experience. Um, and if people can remember, it was an absolute gut job leading into where he came in as the, uh, the head coach of Florida State and just all of the things that were going on behind the scenes there. So this is kind of where I see it happening they somehow get the seven wins and then he still gets fired at the end of the season. Um, and the big part about that is that they no longer have to worry about some of the back end kind of payouts, everything else that they've had to worry about. They're now healthier as a team. The program is a little bit more stable. They've gotten through a lot of this and they just hired a new AD in the off season. And I guarantee you, he wants to hire his guy. This is a guy with like, I believe he has an OU background. He's been with the tide. He's come in. He's looking to make a big splash. This is his alma mater. So I, I can see him in the off season bang. Thanks Mike for getting us right. Uh, we're going to go ahead and pick out a big dog in the lineup. But I do feel like Florida state is gear enough to just basically come out with stability and alignment from the top down with a program that has been not revitalized, but definitely refurbished. You know, they, they've gone through there. They, they've changed a few things around, but it's a little bit more stable, which I think was the biggest attractor for them trying to find anybody who was worth going in there after Jimbo left, um, which was basically left with not only just the bridges burning, those things were torched and napalm to the ground or in, in, in just from the existence. Uh, so I know that's probably a long winded way to go for the over, but I just feel like they're too talented level for the ACC Atlantic to go under at a six and six win pace. I feel like the trend has been up, albeit very slowly up, uh, but they're going in a prime position, kind of like what Miami was, they're going to make a splash higher in the offseason, and it's really going to turn them around with a much better starting point. So taking the over seven wins, I mean, how low of a benchmark really is that when you think about it for a program like Florida State? It can't be that bad, right? right? I'm, also, I'm also fading at LSU at all. I'm also fading LSU at all costs until Brian Kelly gets fired. Yeah, I, I am not sold on LSU that early in the season. I think it might take a while. I, I think people don't understand how much that team lost after that 2019 year. Like, I, I think they might still be recovering from that party, uh, to, to put it one way. Fellas, this was awesome. What a way to kick off the college football season. We'll have graphics of everything up. 
um, we'll have our, our, uh, we'll have an, what if we did like an aggregate standings, like an aggregate prediction, we take everybody's picks, put them together and we see what the, uh, see what the final poll comes out as. I think we might put out that graphic. Big fan of that. Awesome. All All right. Well, next week we will be covering the ACC coastal and the Hokies, which will be actually, I think one of the more interesting conversations that we'll have in our predictions podcast. That'll do it for us. Robert, sign us out. Go Hokies.